it does my heart well to hear that theme song play again. It's been too long. We took a hiatus for two weeks, but we are back. This is 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, I'm joined by Captain Convention, Mr. Tommy Fierro. Good morning to you, Captain. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. Over the hills we go. Come on, brother. Laughing all the way. It, it is the season, Tommy. What's the weather like there in New oh, Jersey? Yeah. You got the white stuff on the ground? Uh, not yet. Bite your tongue. Not yet. Um, I tell you what, it's, it's funny that you mentioned uh, white stuff on the ground because one of the stories I wanted to share today on 80s Wrestling, the podcast, and today we're talking about the history of professional wrestling conventions. And as you think of it, since I was a teenager, so it'll make for a very interesting conversation today. We're going to talk about, you know, the ones before me, the ones going on right now. And uh, the snow one plays a factor, Jay, into a big one uh, that I promoted. I don't know the year off the top of my head. I want to say, and I, I could probably look it up, and, um, but uh, I remember it was not even a snowstorm, man. It was a blizzard. And when I mean a blizzard, I'm talking about a couple feet uh, falling as the convention is going on. Now, this convention, I'm trying to remember when that was there. I know Million Dollar Man was there. Virgil was there. Um, Dr. D. David Schultz was there. And at the time, this was Dr. D. David Schultz's first appearance in many, many years. I remember uh, Bam Bam Bigelow was there. I remember Chief J. Strongbow was there, and I believe it or not, Jay, there was there was probably at least at least a hundred people there, and, and this is in a monsoon blizzard. I would love uh, if anyone is listening to the show that was at that convention. I would love to hear from you. Please give us a call, and if you're at any of our conventions in the past, or if you're a promoter from a different convention or a talent that has appeared on a convention in the past, give us a call. Let's talk all about it. The area code is 516-595-8295. Again, that's 516-595-8295. Real quick, uh, to stick on that story, I think I might have told this story a long time ago, uh, but it's worth definitely mentioning it again. So one of the promoters uh, that had a table at that convention, Jay, he brought in Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and he brought a shitload of two-by-fours. There was probably at least 100 two-by-fours. Now, we had a blizzard, man. I'm talking about like a couple feet of snow, so obviously he didn't sell that many two-by-fours. So, as he's leaving the convention, he's you know, he's got his, his cart, and he's I know you're laughing, you know the story's going around it. Uh, for people out there who didn't hear it, it's really funny. So, the picture of the convention's over. The promoter probably didn't do very good. So, he's, he's wheeling out about probably a night, if there was 100 Two by fours he came with. He's probably leaving with about 87 of them. So as he's uh, passing my mom, who's at the front table, she, her and my dad, they would work the front table at my conventions. As he's passing them, uh, my mom goes, starts laughing. He goes, <laughs> "Hope you got a fireplace." And I was mortified. I was embarrassed. <laughs> I wanted to crawl up into a ball and die. But looking back at it now, all these years later, it was extremely funny. But yeah, man, that's one of the things we could talk about is like planning a big event like this, a convention, it, 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 it's, it, it tells so many more uh, details than what you see on, uh, you know, on a flyer or a poster or on social media. It, there's a lot, a lot of tedious little things that go in to building up to a, a convention. And I'll tell you what, man, it's especially the last like, month or two, it's literally a full-time job every day. So yeah, our, our next convention is, on Saturday, May the 6th, 80s Wrestling Con 4. Uh, Jay, I know you were at 2 and 3. I know you're coming to 4. I'm excited to talk to you about your experiences at the first one. I don't, I don't really think we dived too much into the first one. Uh, you actually were uh, a part of that. But, yeah, anyone out there, man, I'd love to uh, hear from you guys today. That's right. So you are in preparation for 80s Wrestling Con 4. Your preparation's in full swing. So today's a perfect time to kind of talk about the world of wrestling conventions as a whole, what it means from a fan's point of view to have that kind of access to these wrestling legends, 
what it means to the wrestlers themselves to still have an outlet to meet fans and to, quite frankly, I mean, it brings income into their world. So it's a way that they can continue to make a living off of the, the sport they love. And then from your point of view, the guy who plans it, the promoter, what goes into it, all the wheels that spin, we're going to talk inside and outside the world of wrestling conventions. And we're going to take a couple of calls, Tommy, to start off. First up is a good friend of the show. Originally, this gentleman was from Chicago, used to the white stuff on the ground that we talked about earlier. But now, Jason's a cowboy, moved to Texas. Howdy, Jason. Welcome back to the show. Hey, fellas. Uh, good to hear you. I, uh, I figured you were taking some time off with thanks, you know, Thanksgiving and everything going on, but uh, always great to talk with you, fellas. And uh, it's a pretty uh, nice topic today. I, uh, I, I shot Tommy a message on Facebook uh, what the topic was today because I hadn't seen it yet. Later, he posted what the topic was going to be, so go figure. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's uh, – it's interesting because, you know, growing up in Chicago, we had a lot of, you know, the events and things like that that would come to Rosemont Horizon and stuff like that. But um, we didn't have too many conventions until I was a little bit older. So the first time I remember going to any sort of real convention, my friend and I actually, the first time we were um, old enough, I guess you could say, to, uh, to go on a, a flight and a trip on our own, uh, we actually bought the cheapest tickets in the Astrodome that we could find to go to WrestleMania 17 in 2001 uh, in Houston. And uh, <laughs> we went to the Fan Fest before it, and uh, it was just one of those really just crazy things for the you know to see for the first time. I mean, I think I was like I don't know 18, 19, something like that. But uh, it was. It was cool to do the uh, the meet and greet to get some autographs and things. I, I mean, I didn't stand in the super, super long lines, but I remember getting Brother Love's autograph because he was part of the gimmick battle royal that year. Um, and I got a couple of other, you know, autographs that, uh, you know, that I still have somewhere, but they, it wasn't, uh, you know, anybody. It wasn't Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock, let's just say that, but uh, – uh, I, it, you know, going to that WrestleMania was, you know, just one of the coolest experiences ever. And the fan fest, you know, was, was amazing too. I mean, I remember they set up a booth where you could call, uh, or commentate on a, a previously, you know, recorded match. So that was cool to do. Um, I remember there was just merchandise beyond belief everywhere that you looked. I think that there was, um, several areas where, um, you know, you, there were just interactive displays and things, you know, probably similar to what they do at every fan fest before WrestleMania now, but this is back, you know, 22 years ago or whatever almost. So, um, you know, to see it back then was pretty cool. Uh, so that was one. And then um, then they started doing the Comic-Con in Chicago, you know, a little bit later after that. And that's where I really started to, you know, meet a lot of my childhood heroes. That's where I met Demolition for the first time. Um, I took a picture with them. They put their vest on me and everything. It was real cool. Um, I met um, um, Virgil there. I met uh, Honky Tonk Man. Um, and um, and I also, uh, got, you know, just, just got to meet a lot of those guys that I wouldn't have otherwise had a chance to before they were doing stuff like that. So that was real cool, too. You know, we, I didn't go into it thinking that that was even part of it, but because they did it in a way where it was also pop culture and things like that on top of just, you know, comics and stuff like that, it, uh, it all kind of lent itself, um, you know, to the whole experience. So, you know, that was really cool. Oh, and one other thing about that particular one, I actually met and got to take um, a picture with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Uh, he was getting pretty sick at that point, but he was still there, still taking pictures, still uh, trying to be funny and do all the things that he was. Um, but you could tell that, uh, his, his health wasn't the greatest at that point. So, uh, that's a great memory that I have as a result, um, of being able to go there. And then the other thing that I'll say, it wasn't a convention, but it was the first time in my life that I ever got to meet a pro wrestler when SummerSlam, uh, 1994 came to Chicago. It was the very first event that was ever at the United Center when it was getting ready to open for the Bulls and Blackhawks. And as a result, they had a bunch of wrestlers just kind of all around Chicago 
doing different meet and greets and signings and things leading up to that. And I got to meet the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, because remember, he was managing the fake Undertaker that was going to be wrestling the real Undertaker. And uh, he was there. He had his million dollar belt there. He was signing pictures and autographs. Just the nicest guy in the world. And, uh, you know, as a, let me think, what was I at that point? I was 12, I think, at that point. Um, you know, it was very different to see him, you know, basically, you know, out of out of character because he was so nice and everything. So, um, just really cool all the way around. I'm glad that conventions are such a popular thing these days because I feel like that's the easiest way for the new generation of kids that are fans to get to know our generation of stars and such. And, um, Tommy, I have not been ever to New Jersey, but um, and even though it's not going to be for 80s Wrestling Con, I am going to be going to the New York and New Jersey area this summer. Um, I'm actually going to catch a Cubs Yankees game right before the All-Star break in July at Yankee Stadium, and I'm going to go up up to Cooperstown as well because I just haven't been there yet in my lifetime. But while I'm there, I will make sure to stop in New Jersey at the Wrestling Collector because uh, I not only would like uh, the chance to meet you, but also just the uh, ability to take a look around and, and just see everything that I see the pictures of and hear you guys talk about all the time. So pretty exciting stuff. But uh, pretty oh, much geez. all I got for That's it. awesome, that's awesome. I love to hear that, bro. Thank you so much, man. I look forward to you coming up. Anyways, yeah. uh, yes, I'm here. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I think I think I cut out. I said I I appreciate it very much, man. Uh, definitely. As it gets closer, shoot me a message. Let me know exactly what day. So I'll, I'll make sure I'm at the at the shop that day for you. Fantastic. Appreciate everything, guys. And uh, great show as always. Look forward to listening to what all the other guys got to say about this topic. And uh, keep rocking and rolling. All right. Thank you so much, Jason. Meeting Bobby the Brain Heenan definitely would have been something on my bucket list to do. It's cool that Jason got to meet him. Tommy, I can't remember. We've talked about Bobby Heenan so often on this show. You got to remind me, did you ever get to to meet him or work with him? I had him, I had him twice, actually. I had him twice. at two separate conventions. So I, I guess, I, guess I, I might have not had told this story on this podcast then. Uh, so I'll tell it. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I mentioned in the past as well, like when I was younger, I never wanted to take pictures with the talent I had because I was younger at that time. And I thought that if I was taking pictures with all the talent, that they wouldn't take me seriously because I, I, I know that I was young. I was like in my early 20s. Pro, I mean, some of these conventions, I was 16, 17, 18 years old running conventions. So like I never took pictures with wrestlers, uh, anyone I had. I mean, I had Bobby Heenan. I had... Paul Orndorff, I had Bruno San Martino, George Animal Steel, Captain Lou Albano, like, I mean, Nikolai Volkov, Bundy, like, Snook, so many different talents throughout the years that are not with us no more that I can never get those opportunities to take those pictures with. Uh, but, yeah, so Bobby Heenan, I had him twice, actually. And here's a, here's a true story, unbelievable, uh, what a professional Bobby is. I booked Bobby for uh, my first convention, and, you know, the price was set, whatever. And then, like, two years later, I used Bobby again. Bobby never even asked me, you know, what he was getting paid or anything. He just, he, he for working for me one time, he, he, he trusted me that he was going to come there and get paid. So, like, I, to me, that's, like, the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate um, show of respect when a, a talent just, like, comes to your event and, just, you know, he knows he's going to get take care of and, never, and the money is never even discussed. So I had that experience with Bobby, which was freaking phenomenal. That is phenomenal. And uh, before we take the next caller, I, you don't have to tell me numbers. I don't want to know exact numbers, but I am interested to know behind the scenes, if you contact a wrestler to appear at a convention, does he name his price? Does he say, here's how much? Or do you have to throw out an offer and see if it entices them to come? Well, I mean, stuff like that I really can't get into, but you know, I just remember I've been around for a lo- really long time, so like I'm well aware of what people are getting and all that stuff. So we'll just we'll, we'll keep it at that. We'll keep it at that, but I will say I bet there are people who maybe have an inflated idea of what their appearance is worth, and so I bet some people maybe <laughs> overpriced sure, themselves. I'm every, every so in every walk of life, uh, they 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 think that you know. Exactly. I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, someone sitting at their desk listening to this right now 
uh, while, while they should be working, they're saying, man, I should be getting paid more money. I mean, everybody. That's true. And, and to that person, I say you should march to your boss's office and ask for that raise today. I think uh, if you're listening yeah. to this podcast, you. you got a good head on your shoulders. I give him a stunner. <laughs> give him a stunner. All right, it's time for our next caller now. Tommy, I've been to a couple of your conventions. They're amazing. I've met some of my childhood idols, but the one person that I met that stands above the rest is Danny from Butler, and he joins us now. Danny, good morning, sir. Tommy, Jumpin' Jay, uh, happy uh, belated Thanksgiving. Uh, it's been a long time. I miss uh, talking to you guys. Uh, definitely, it feels good uh, to be back on with you guys. Thank Hell you yeah, to hear man. your happy voice, brother. So, um, you know, we're talking about the conventions. Uh, to be honest, you know, as you know, growing up a big wrestling fan, as a kid, I never went to any conventions. Uh, you know, Tommy, I, you know, I'm pretty sure I told you that the very first convention I ever went to was your 80s wrestling con back in April of uh, 19, where you had it at the I Play in Freehold. That was the very first convention that I ever went to. I mean, I went to autograph signings. I went to uh, toy cons where, you know, you will have a, you know, a superstar or two here and there. I did the, the WWE Access uh, at the first WrestleMania in, uh, at MetLife in New Jersey. That was a WrestleMania 20, 29, I believe. But the actual first wrestling convention I ever went to was the 80s uh, in uh, the day before, my, the day, yeah, the day after my birthday in 2019. And I got to say that right there was an experience that I would never forget. And, you know, obviously – going to the one this past year in Morristown with my son, uh, you know, that was his very first uh, wrestling convention. You know, well, let me, let me jump in real quick. So th- you said that was your son's first convention. Now the first convention I went to was I was a teenager and it was John Arezzi's weekend of champions convention in New York. And that's how this all happened with me getting involved in the business because a big part of it was uh, going to John's convention. So, Here's a six-year-old boy walking into a arena filled with merchandise, with wrestlers, with fans all over the place. What was his initial take when he first came in? And tell me about his experience that day. I would love to hear he, about he, the eyes of a six-year-old. He wanted, he wanted everything. He wanted so. It kind of was like, oh man, um, you know, I had to, you know, have some. I had to have a lot of patience, but I had to let him soak it up. You know, like I said, he was. You know, what a kid wouldn't be, you know, you know, starstruck, you know, seeing, you know, like I said, he, he's one that definitely is into the, the old school side of the wrestling. You know, definitely likes the current stuff, but, you know, he's a lot more interested in what I grew up on. So, you know, he's, you know, going up to all the guys, you know, shaking their hands, you know, looking at all the merchandise. And like I said, it was a, it was a, it a very, very expensive day for me. <laughs> so... I kind of had a, you know, Sorry. cut him off somewhat. But it was, like I said, it, I can't, you know, it's it's all fun. You know, it, like I said, I'm pretty sure if I had that opportunity at his age, when I, you know, when I was younger, I probably would have been the same way. So, like I said, it was all worth it. That's awesome, man. I'm happy to hear that. And you got to see Jumpin' Jay there, too. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I, 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 I swear, I was not leaving – that event without, you know, trying to, you know, find the the man, the myth, the legend. You know, I'm going up to you. I'm going up to, you know, uh, you know, Ryan Martinez. Um, I'm asking everybody, you know, what's jumping Jay? What's jumping Jay? And you know, I'm there's I forgot who told me he he he, he they, I think he happened to be on the line for Michelle Roberts. So, so you know, they, they said, listen, just find the tallest guy there. And you know you'll you'll, you'll find him. And I'm just going down the line. All of a sudden, I just said, you know, the hell with it. I'm just gonna yell out his name. And the minute he like turned towards me, he knew who I was. Absolutely, man. Your voice, your your voice is very recognizable. It is absolutely. And thanks to your son, I went home with some pretty sweet nasty boy wrestling figures that he found at one of the tables for me. Hey, real, 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 like I said, he's not, about, he's not only about himself. I love hey, it, so, yeah. So, so Danny, Danny check, check this out, Danny. You know, he, Jumping Jay shouldn't have been so hard to find because Jumping Jay was supposed to do a, we're supposed to do a, a live edition of 80s Wrestling, the podcast, 
at the at the at the uh, at the convention. But I, looking around, I, you, Jay, Jay was walking around with his kids and his wife the whole time. He was taking it all in. So I think that we even right, Jay, you were having such a good time. I think we even forgot about doing it. Listen, man, that, I that would be fair to say, right? You you know how sometimes you go somewhere or you're at an event and time flies. Like I was there all day, but it went by in the blink of an eye because everywhere you looked, there's either awesome merchandise or there's these wrestling legends that I'd find myself just standing and watching them interact with other people because you can't believe that they're five feet away from you. And so that's a day that just it flew by, man, and I can't wait for the next one. Well, Danny, thank you for calling, man. It was good to hear your voice again after uh, after a two-week oh, hiatus. Like said, yeah, definitely. Like I said, uh, you guys uh, take it easy. And uh, definitely uh, looking forward uh, to finally get to meet uh, Bret Hart uh, this uh, coming uh, May. Oh, yeah, man. We're psyched about that, man. All right, guys. You guys uh, have a wonderful weekend. And, uh, Jay, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna have to, you know, put our relationship on hold because, uh, you know, my, my Jets have a big game against your Vikings this week, and I expect them to go into Minnesota <laughs> and handle some business. Listen, man, the Vikings, <laughs> the Vikings are having the best season they've had in a very long time. It's been so fun to watch. And so, uh, yeah, we can put it on hold for this weekend. But next week we'll talk about who came out on top of the big game. Absolutely. You guys, like I said, enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Sounds good, brother. All right, Tommy. So Danny mentioned a very big name in the world of professional wrestling. Brett, the hitman heart has been announced as your headliner for 80s Wrestling Con 4. And I got to know, I'm assuming that you have not worked with Brett Hart before and that the fan inside you has to be pretty darn excited that he's headlining your next wrestling con. Absolutely. And uh, earlier, if, I, I know that you, you, you peek on my Facebook through your wife's account because uh, you don't want to have one, but earlier this year. You don't have to, year, you don't have to say it like that. You make it sound, <laughs> you make it sound dirty that I'm, that I'm, you know, sneaking peeks at stuff. It's all on the up and up. But, yeah, c- continue on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but I, 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 earlier this year, I did a, a bucket list of things I wanted to do. And one of them was finally have Bret Hart on an event because I don't know why I, I never had him before. Um, but yeah, I've always wanted to have him and have him be the headliner for 80s Red Scrum because, you know, Brett, Brett has been, you know, a lot of different places over, over the last several years, but he's never been a part of 80s wrestling con. And my conventions are different than everybody else's conventions because I have, it's, it's a, it's a, it's more like just trying to explain. Like it's not you just come there and you you know you sign autographs and you take your pictures and you, and you look at tables. I feel like it's more of an experience at '80s WrestleCon. You you know that firsthand, Jay. Uh, a couple of years back, we had you know Coco Beware's Pile Driver. We had a Greg the Hammer Valentine Figure Four contest. Uh, you know we have uh, question and answer sessions. And, and this year, we're going to bring a lot more of that fun stuff back to '80s WrestleCon. Like. Uh, it, last year we did pro wrestling karaoke. It was great. He's slick, slick. This past May, some drive soul bro at the convention. So like, we do all kinds of fun stuff and make it more of a an event than a signing. Does that, does that make sense? You're absolutely right. The way I describe your conventions to people is like a love letter to the world of professional wrestling because it's a way that fans and these wrestlers can interact on a level that. I didn't even know it was possible. I'm kind of with Danny. I didn't grow up with the wrestling conventions. The first 80s wrestling con was the first convention I went to, blown away to the point where if I probably go to a different promoter's convention, I know I'm going to be disappointed because you bring the type of interactions that it, it blows my mind. And you're one of these guys that always tries to top himself. So each wrestling con is just getting better and better and better. So I cannot wait for the fourth installment of 80s Wrestling Con. Jay, I'm, I'm even contemplating right now of getting a truck for that weekend and bringing the original WWF WrestleFest arcade game that's in my store right now to the convention. How cool would that be? That's set up where people can play it. Not only, listen, that would be amazing, but like I could envision like, 
a photo op with that. Because, listen, you can get your hands on that game Ooh, digitally. that's a good idea. But when's the last time you've actually seen the full arcade cabinet? Like, I would get my picture taken with it because I have not seen one since my childhood. Well, here, Jay, I'm booking on the fly right now, right? So you just mentioned Dude. that, so I'm going to piggyback off of what you just said. And how about you have one of the wrestlers that were in that video game standing Dude, there stop. with you to take the photo op? Stop. Could you imagine a photo op of you on controller number two and a pro wrestler on controller number one, and you're playing each other Brother, in WrestleFest? You can, you, can, you can consider it booked. Dude, I'll I think you're exactly who it's going to be. I a think photo you, op of you playing against someone else. I think you found your new headliner. WrestleFest <laughs> arcade cabinet headlines. 80s Wrestling Con 4. Also an appearance, Brett Hitman Hart. I think you found a new headliner, brother. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're definitely, we're definitely going to figure out a way to incorporate this uh, idea you just came up with into the convention 100%. I don't know if you've so, ever uh, – I, yeah. I don't know if you, uh, Tommy, was a, were ever a, a fan of the TV show Seinfeld, but there's an episode where George Costanza tries to push an arcade cabinet across the street and keeps it uh, plugged in. I can picture you outside the convention right now trying to wheel in – this wrestling cabinet without it getting toppled over. No, brother, I don't, I don't do the heavy lifting around here. I got people that do that for me. Woo! <laughs> 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 so, Tommy, oh, man, you funny. are, not only are you a promoter, but you're kind of like a historian because you grew up doing this from a very young age. Can you, do you have any kind of idea? I was trying to Google the history of wrestling conventions. Is it relatively a new thing, would you say, within the last 50 to 60 years that these types of conventions have, have popped up around the country? Absolutely. I, I, I know there was one, uh, there was a couple in the 80s. Uh, it, it definitely, I don't believe it started before then. Um, the one that really put it on the map, though, was John Arezzi, the Weekend of Champions convention that he ran in New York. And that's how I first found out about wrestling conventions, was going to his I was 16 years old. Oh, no, actually, I was 15 years old. Uh, I was with my mom. We, 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 we walk in, and, and when you walk in, Jay, you're like a kid on Christmas morning because, like I said earlier, when, when Dan, was, uh, Dan was on talking about his son, you know, and, and back then definitely, so, and, like, this is in 92, 93, so this is, like, really, like, something new back then. Like you, and, and Again, you don't have access to meeting all these stars that you do now where they do appearances all the time and there's 100 wrestling conventions. Back then, it was just that one. So going there as, as, a, as a fan and, and getting the chance to meet Jushin Thunder Liger, um, Bruno San Martino and Larry Sabisco reunited, and there was a photo op of those guys. Eddie Gilbert was there, Wendy Richter, Killer Kowalski, Nikolai Volkov. So like, it was like it was like – and then tables, every, every, everywhere you look, there's someone selling wrestling merchandise. And back then, remember, back then in 92, 93, they were pumping out a ton of merchandise back then. So it was, like, it was super, super cool. So, like, I got the idea of doing a, a convention through John Arezzi's convention. I, at the time, was starting a newsletter, and I was going around to all the independent shows interviewing wrestlers from my newsletter, and then through interviewing them, I had phone numbers of, of uh, some of the guys. And also Cousin Luke, who was a part of uh, Hibbley Jim and Uncle Elmer for a little bit, he lived in New Jersey. And uh, he helped me out uh, a little bit in the beginning to get some guys for my first convention. So I was 16 years old and, and, did, a, and did a convention. And I, I, made, I remember I made 200 bucks from it. And I was, like, so psyched. And then uh, that, like, six months later, I did another one. And it was uh, uh, it was called Fan Slam, the Wrestling Fan Festival. Because the first one was called All Star Wrestling Convention when I was 16, and then I then that following summer I did Fan Slam, the Wrestling Fan Festival. Now I'm 17 years old. I hooked up with someone that did a wrestling hotline in New York City that was very popular at the time. I believe his name was Felipe. Ramon Martinez Jr. I know it's a long name, uh, but he did a um, he did a hotline that was pretty popular that people would call in every day and get results stuff like that. And he started promoting my convention on this hotline. But also, WWF was at the Meadowlands Arena uh, 
like a month before my convention. And I thought of the idea of going there and putting flyers on every car for my convention, you know, that's 20 minutes away a month later where they can meet all these. I remember I had, I had Rick Namada Martel, who was right off of WWE at the time. He wasn't gone very long at all. I had Rick Martel. I had Road Warrior Animal. I had uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You know, Missy was there. So picture you're, you're a fan leaving the arena. Remember, this is 1995 at the time, and there wasn't a million conventions. So you imagine you leaving the arena, you go to your car, you pick up the flyer, Holy fucking shit! Uh, Rick Martel's going to be and these uh, Road Warrior Animals going to be twenty minutes away. So like, stuff wasn't really done like that back then. Like nowadays, everyone's paper and everything, which is awesome, which they should be. But like back then, that was not you know that wasn't really the norm back then. So like, I was seventeen years old and I drew a thousand people at my second convention, uh, and through that, and I know I told I think I told this story in the past. Through that is how I met Dennis Corluzzo, who was at the time the president of the NWA. He was at my convention, and when he found out a 17-year-old kid did it, you know, he grabbed me and and took me under his wing, and uh, he wanted to start doing conventions with me. And then right after that, that summer is when uh, ECW screwed over the NWA and threw the title belt down and then decided to do a tournament to create uh, the crown of new NWA world champion. And which was wanted to be Chris Candido, but he wanted to do a convention in the daytime because he was bringing in a bunch of stars from Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and Jerry Lawler was there. So I actually ran the convention in the daytime, and he did the show at night, but we were partners in the whole thing. And then after that, Dennis did a couple of Eddie Gilbert Memorial Weekends where you'd have the convention and the show, and I was in charge of doing the conventions on those as well. So I don't know if uh, – Everyone out there knows that those Eddie Gilbert Memorial Conventions. I I, I did those. I, there there were well me and Dennis together, but uh, I, I was heavily Dennis always any big event Dennis had, he'd always have me to run the convention and he would run the show at night and then we'd partner up on both of them. So through that, really, uh, is how I got going with conventions. And I took a break for a while. No one was doing conventions until I came back in like 2000 and I think it was 2003. I came back with a convention that had Paul Orndorff, I had Ricky Steamboat, I had Bobby Heenan, Kevin Von Erich, and I got a, like, a real good response. And then from there, uh, everyone, <laughs> everyone started running conventions. Um, you, you know, they're, they're all over now. I mean, they're all over the United States now. Um, and especially in this area, there's a ton of them. There's the big event. There's Legends of the Ring. There is um, – Rob Feinstein does his out in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, there, there's a uh, there's a, a bunch, but um, it is what it is, man. You know, like everyone has their own niche market. Uh, I, luckily for me, I I have the social media following with 80s wrestling, and my convention are themed for that reason alone for 80s wrestling. I try not to break away from it. So yeah, I have I you know I have a, a theme going for mine. So that that kind of separates me from the rest of the pack, you know. So what do you think it means? You get to work with a lot of professional wrestlers. And if you were a wrestler in the 80s and you were lucky enough to make a living at that profession, now that you're out of active wrestling, some of these guys I'm sure maybe have taken a day job or a different career path after retiring. But these conventions seem like a nice way for them to stay connected to the world of wrestling and bring some income in at the same time. From your dealings with these wrestlers, what do you think it means to them to have this type of outlet where they can get with a promoter like yourself, get one-on-one interactions with fans, be a part of the world of wrestling still? What do you think it means on their side of the table? Well, first of all, let me ask you a question. So say you were in a sorority. Uh, I hope you weren't in a sorority. A fraternity. <laughs> And so you're in a fraternity, right, with your brothers when you, you know, for years are having such a good time and hanging out with them and partying with them and drinking with them and Lord knows who else with them. And, you know, 20 years later, someone calls you and says, hey, I want to I fly you here where all your friends are going to be also, who you haven't seen in a long time. I'm going to pay you. 
and fly you and give you a hotel to come here and hang out with your friends. Like, I mean, it, these guys look so much forward to seeing each other, you know, at these events. It's like for them, it's, it's for them, it's sound money. Trust me. Um, the majority of the guys, you know, the older guys, I mean, they, they love, you know, seeing all their old friends that they only probably see a couple times a year because, you know, they're not, not on the road anymore. So I, I'm sure they absolutely love it. And then, you know, there's certain guys that when you get over enough to a certain level, like a Cardin Slaughter or a Jake the Snake Roberts or a Million Dollar Man, I'm sure that they do very, very well as far as appearances financially for the year. So, yeah, I mean, there's it's booming right now. And, it, and remember, these guys are not just getting booked for just wrestling conventions. There's comic cons all throughout the United States, and they're big, and there's all kinds of different toy shows and events. So, you know, some of these guys, is, they're probably making a full-time living, you know, doing 30, 40 appearances a year. You know, the way that you that you that you set that up is it's an opportunity for them to see their friends that, like you said, life is busy. They live all over the country. So it's not like they're seeing each other as often as you do when you travel on the road with these people. So, yeah, what a great excuse to get away for a weekend see your friends that you probably haven't seen in a while, hang out, share some laughs, sign some autographs, take some pictures. Uh, when you say that these guys look forward to it, I bet I a hundred percent agree with that. I bet you're absolutely right. You know, as a fan, I look at it from our side of the table. We're so excited when we circle our calendar for the next eighties wrestling con and it gets closer and closer, that excitement builds. But, you know, I didn't think until you just phrased it that way that on the other side of the table, these wrestlers are probably looking forward to 80s Wrestling Con 4 just as much because it's a chance for them to, to get together with their old friends, share some memories, share some laughs, meet some fans. Uh, and so it's just kind of a nice way to tie a, tie a ribbon on it that it's, you know, people on both sides of the table are getting something out of the weekend. Now, the one guy that maybe you look forward to it, but it's a different kind of look forward to you to it, Tommy. Like you said, the, the months leading up are busy. The weeks leading up are absolutely crazy. We are in the months leading up right now. So give me like a gauge where you're at right now as far as your feelings for 80s Wrestling Con 4. What kind of things are you piecing together at this moment? Are you still seeking out talents? Are you still coming up uh, with promotion ideas? What's going through the mind of a promoter this far out from 80s Wrestling Con 4? Well, very good question. I'm going to answer that in just a second. Real quickly, though, I want to give a special shout-out and plug uh, from my buddies Chad and Donnie uh, in New Jersey. They have a big uh, convention, and we're talking about conventions. They're having a big event this Saturday in Tom's River, New Jersey, and I just wanted to give them a shout-out. Uh, it's going to be at the WJ Barnabas Health Arena in Tom's River, New Jersey. They're doing a big uh super camp in the daytime with wrestlers trying out in front of tons of different promoters throughout the United States are going to be there, including myself. I'll be there as well. Uh, unfortunately, I can't stick around for the show and the convention because my town is doing their big Christmas thing that night with lighting the tree and Santa Claus and all that stuff. And I don't want to disappoint my daughter not being there for that. And, and I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss her seeing her do that, you know? So unfortunately I always stay for the morning part. However, uh, everyone should definitely go on down there. Uh, Sting is their headliner. Again, it's this coming Saturday, December 3rd, 2022. they got a big show at nighttime as well. Uh, my friends over there at Standalone Wrestling, Sting's going to be there. Matt Cardona and Brian Myers are going to be there. Sergeant Slaughter, Jerry the King Lawler, uh, a whole list of talent. So uh, definitely check them out this weekend, this Saturday, Saturday, December the 3rd in Tom's River, New Jersey. Uh, back to your question. Um, right now, I am still uh, seeking out talent. Uh, I have several, what's the right word to use? Several sticks in the, in the potential fire pit mm. right now. Um, right now, confirmed has been Brett the Hitman Heart, which we mentioned earlier. And then I'm doing some uh, unique photo op opportunities from feuds of the 80s. So wrestling fans will be able to get an opportunity to take a picture of them with a pow in the middle of the pow and separating the powers of pain and demolition all in their makeup, which is, a be I mean, that's a really unique photo opportunity right there. 
Uh, and then also we'll have eight by tens available action shots of them wrestling each other. So you can signed by all four of them. So that'd be really cool. And um, we're also doing Magnum TA in Nikita Koloff as a eighties wrestling feud photo op and autograph op. Both of these guys are NWA guys, as you know, Jay. Uh, so they're not even up this way that often to begin with. So I'm really excited to get Nikita Koloff and Magnum TA up. And then another cool opportunity, Jay, is we are going to be doing a WrestleMania 1 photo op with an original match from the first WrestleMania with Wendy Richter and Lilani Kai. So that's going to be another really – and obviously that match is very, very important for the history of WrestleMania with the whole rock and wrestling connection. So uh, I'm even thinking about getting a uh, – you know, the, you know, a WrestleMania uh, one uh, banner in the back to, to, as, a, as a photo opportunity. So, uh, so, yeah, we got all that. And then the big thing that we, that we announced is for our attractions, and, and I'm still working on those as we speak. You know, like I said, we do all these fun different activities and events throughout the course of the convention throughout the day. And... Uh, the, one of the big things we're doing, which I'm extremely, extremely excited for, is we are giving the 80s Wrestling Lifetime Achievement Award to Macho Man Randy Savage. And accepting the award for him will be his brother, Lanny Papo. So, I mean, that's, that's, that makes the convention super, super special right there, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to, to line up superstars, but it's the special attractions. And when you have an 80s Wrestling Lifetime Achievement Award presented to one of – I mean, he's an icon. When you think 80s wrestling, if he's not one of the first five guys to pop into your head, you know, and, and the fact that his brother, Lanny, is going to be there to accept it on his behalf, I can't wait for that. Because, you know, Lanny's such a gifted speaker, and he's so good uh, on the microphone that I can't wait to see – you know, what he says in that moment when he receives this, this award on behalf of his brother. Yeah, man. And uh, actually tickets just went on sale this past uh, last weekend, uh, Black Friday, and uh, tickets are available now for that event. Uh, it's 80swrestlingcon.com. Like I said, we're still adding talent. We just added the Killer Bees. Uh, just two nights ago, so B. Brian Blair and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel will be there as well. And uh, we're working on more talent as we speak, and we'll keep uh, the updates coming up on our social media uh, and our website. But uh, yeah, man, I'm not I'm not done yet. I'm still uh, I'm still in the midst of adding uh, some more talent to the event, and also working on different events to take place inside of the actual event. I think I want to do more. I, I love the activities aspect of the convention day because there's always something going on. And I want to keep people there because I want them to stay for ISPW at nighttime now. I took a, a too big of a gap last time. Uh, and, and, again, you, you, you learn from your, your mistakes. I ended the convention at 4 and started the show at 7. That three-hour window did not help me. Well, it didn't help me that WWE was running a show in New Jersey that night. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to space it out better where there's like probably only like an hour break between the convention and the show. Uh, to keep people tight and keep them in the area. And then uh, and the big way of doing that, obviously, is is different activities happening throughout the course of the convention. So if someone's just say someone's coming just to meet the powers of pain and uh, someone else and they get those and they're done, uh, you don't want them to leave because you want them to stick around for the show at nighttime. So I, I think the more activities I have, like I said, having the – the video uh, game there, I think, it was an awesome idea. Uh, and just different things to do throughout the, the course of the convention, I, I think it makes it makes the event itself uh, uh, bigger, too, you know? Absolutely. Now, let's talk uh, a little bit about the vendor situation. Now, at the last 80s Wrestling Con, the, the one that was dubbed 80s Wrestling Con Live, there was – Listen, if you weren't there, there's the typical things that you expect to see at vendors' tables. Old-fashioned uh, wrestling, like old wrestling figures, T-shirts, merchandise. But you had a table there of this guy who did this. I've never seen art like this. Yeah, a fantastic artist who would, who would have these pictures of wrestlers battling superheroes uh, and just incredible like airbrush stuff art. 
Then you had a table where uh, this wonderful lady, I got to visit with her for a little bit, was making the her version of wrestling figures out of clay. They kind of reminded me of uh, the Funko Pop figures with like the oversized heads. Um, and so when it comes to vendors, I know there's a tab on 80swrestlingcon.com where vendors are interested in being part of this convention. They can reach out to you. If anyone is listening who kind of maybe is selling merchandise, is making merchandise, is there any particular thing you look for in a vendor? Or if you have wrestling merchandise and you feel you're a good fit for the con, they should just reach out to you via the website. Yeah, that's that's a good question too, Jay. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty much. I, mean, I, I don't obviously I don't want them coming there and just selling you know Sable and China and Tori Wilson Playboy magazines and that's all they have at their table. So, but I, I don't get I don't get too picky as far as what they sell. So it, it's pretty much a, a first come first serve basis. Uh, and 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 I turned away several uh, several vendors last year. I just didn't have space. You you were there. You saw the place was. It was it was packed with tables, so I mean I, I'm sure it's going to happen again. So, uh, you know, pretty much people that contact me, you know, I I, I give them our our Venmo, and once you pay, you're in, and it's, it's until the tables are gone. So, um, that's that's how we're doing it. So yeah, anyone that's interested in getting tables, you can head head to 80swrestlingcon.com, and there's a, a vendor section, and just fill it out. It goes right to my email, and I'll get right back to you. So. Yeah, pretty much first come first basis. Uh, first first come first serve basis, Jay. Because I, I did a couple podcasts. They're gonna do a live episode of their podcast. They're at the convention, so like I said, it's wrestling related. It's cool, but yeah, it's first come first serve. Will Mama Fear will be there with a wrestling collector table and some pasta salad. Mama. <laughs> Mama, Mama Fear will be at the front door. Uh, that's that's Mama Fear's tradition, uh, and she had she had several backups uh, at this past May one. It was it was crazy, uh, but yeah, Mama Fear is always at the front door. That's where you'll find her. Nobody's sneaking into this convention with Mama Fear running the door. I tell you that much. Not not not, not with you standing next to her either. The world's <laughs> man, no one's gonna try and get past you. You know. Uh, that's too good. So. My next question, it's kind of vendor-related, kind of not, but I know last year at the convention, you had the guys from the Last Match musical there kind of doing some fun promotions. I got to meet them, hang out with them. With the musical kind of being launched and out there and people have seen it, uh, any plans on bringing any part of that back to this next wrestling convention? You can guarantee there'll be a booth there for them at the, at the, at the convention. Uh, would I like to do more? Absolutely. Uh, definitely uh, something I thought of. Um, Got to see. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of moving parts out there just because of the the um, the uh, actors and their schedules are crazy. They, be, you know, the weekend is their big base uh, on Broadway, you know. So I guess it would be a matter of a lot of different things. But yeah, still definitely be at the convention, and I would like to do a little bit more too if if it's possible. All right, now for some fun questions. Things that. Only you would know uh, in things that guys like me who, who visit a convention and see the inner workings uh, from a distance would kind of maybe have. You mentioned a story earlier about some snow throwing, uh, you know, a wrench in the works of a convention. In your experience running a convention, what is like the wildest thing that popped up that you're just like, I can't believe this happened? Is there anything that oh, comes to oh. mind? Absolutely. Were you were you at the convention, the, the the one in Freehold? Were you at the one with Jake Roberts and Ricky Simo? Was that the one you were at? Yep, absolutely. Okay, so I my story is from that one. It was even worse than the snowstorm one. Is because the night before my convention, there was a huge storm in the area, and everyone's flights got or delayed because the rain was so bad in the New Jersey area that we, they, they weren't flying. So everyone was coming in that night. So I had my phone, Jay, was literally going, it started at about 8 o'clock in the morning, 8.30 in the morning, one of, uh, Brian Nobbs calls, they, they, they missed their flight. And they, this wasn't even weather related. They just missed their flight. So I had to take care of that. And then 
and then then the lays start coming. Like you, and everyone's everyone's plans are getting delayed, and then uh, Cowboy Bob Orton got canceled. So we're we're working behind the scenes crazily trying to get these guys back in other flights. And remember, this is a, this is the night before the convention. Now, probably mm-hmm. at this point, it's nine o'clock at night, and like everything is still getting delayed, and uh, flights are getting canceled. Jake Roberts' flight got canceled. So behind the scenes, working to get all that shit resolved in the last second possible, it was really, really, really stressful. Uh, Bruce Pritchard, Brother Love, he was actually at that convention. Uh, he didn't get in until 6 o'clock in the morning. Jake the Snake Roberts didn't get in until like 5 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing, Jay. At some point during the night, I have to go to sleep because I have a convention to run the next morning. So when I went to sleep, it was probably at 2 o'clock just to get a couple hours sleep before I got up at 6 and got to the building. I didn't know if I was going to have my roster was going to be there at the convention when I went to sleep. Man. It was that bad. Luckily, I had people, I had, um, for this one, I had car services all scheduled to pick these guys up, so I didn't literally have to wait, you know, to, to be on the phone with people to make sure that they were at the right place at the right time. And luckily, we a car, and, the, and then the car service, they get alerts throughout the day that the flights were delayed, so, like, they, they follow on their end, so they, they're, sure. they're not waiting, you know. But, like, when I went to sleep, dude, I didn't know if Jake Roberts and Bruce Pritchard were going to be at my convention the next day. It was that yeah. bad. People were getting in throughout the night. I remember, I remember sitting in the lobby uh, of the hotel, like, I mean, at like two o'clock in the morning, just hoping for people to come in. You know, um, so yeah, that was probably that was probably the craziest because literally uh, there was probably 15, 16, 17 guests around there, and the majority of them flights got delayed or canceled. It was it was a lot. It was a lot to deal with. So it's 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 a tedious little things that you don't even think of. Like and like and stuff like that. And I mentioned this on the past episode too, is like say you're bringing in 20 talents, right? So you you, you have to not only worry about you know booking 20 airfares, all from different places. Uh, you have to worry about getting someone to the airport to pick that talent up. So times 20, so you got to have 20 people ready to go, or or they're scheduled different times. They're going they're doing runs back and forth, and then you got to get them from the airport to the hotel and then the next morning from the hotel to the venue and then after that the venue back to the airport so that's a lot that's a lot of moving parts for one guy never mind 20 guys so imagine you see people don't think about all the little things like that so you got to really be organized and I, when it comes to conventions i'm i'm not really an organized person in my real life I, i'm trying to learn to, to be much more organized and I'm, uh, I'm i'm starting to do a better job of it but when it comes to the convention aspect i'm definitely organized i know every moving part that needs to be done so yeah man so some of these conventions that are going on now like at wrestlecade uh they, they're the real successful one out in uh, north carolina I, I know a lot of uh, different vendors bring in talent uh, to, to that throughout the weekend, but I'm sure they have. I'm, I, I'm not knowing their their system, but I'm sure they have 15, 20 guys of their own. That's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of work booking all those airfares. It's a lot of work booking all those hotels for the talent, and then getting all these different guys to pick up all these different, you know, all the different talent, and then back and forth, back and forth. It's a, it's a lot. So uh, yeah, that's one of the. The, the, the big things that goes in behind the scenes of it. And I don't know if I even got off topic of answering your question. No, no, no. You answered it perfectly. Uh, and yeah, when you think about it, so there's two sides to the thing that I want to say. So when flights are getting canceled and you're panicking and it's just mere hours to your convention, you don't know if everyone's going to be there. The first thing I want to say is having been at that convention myself, you would never know from interacting with you, Jake, Bruce and all the other guys that it was that down to the wire. Like Jake did not act tired at all. You know, he was, he was nice to meet. He was very nice to me, uh, answered my questions. All the guys were, so they did not sell the fact that they were low on sleep. You did not sell the fact that you were low on sleep and that it was that stressful mere hours before the convention. So hats off to all of you. And the other side of that is stuff happens 
And if those guys couldn't have been at the convention, it would have been no fault of yours. But I got to feel as a promoter, you would have felt horrible had you advertised these guys and they not showed up, even though it's out of your control. And so, yeah, you're kind of, you're kind of risking and betting on that everything's going to go right. Otherwise you come away feeling horrible about it, I would guess. Or is it kind of, or do you understand that stuff happens? I'm not going to let it bother me. Well, no, I mean, first of all, I, I would feel horrible, but I mean, if it's a situation where, you know, all these flights were, you know, getting canceled and you have proof to show that on your social media, if you had to, I mean, I mean, it, it makes you, it makes you feel a little bit better knowing that it was mother nature that caused it and not you or the talent. But if some, if the talent just knows it, that's a bit, totally different story. But yeah, either way, I mean, uh, you, you, you said something that strikes a chord with me. You say you, you're betting on everything going perfectly. And that's, that's what I do for all these conventions, man. You just bet on everything going perfectly because sometimes it's not going to go perfectly. Like the first, my first 80s wrestling con, I was coming back. I had Mean Gene Oakland and yeah. uh, King Kong Bundy booked, and they both yeah. passed away within months of each other. And, and I, that's two talents that I had for the convention passed away. So, uh, you know, obviously nothing is going to always go perfectly. And with a convention, man, there's so many different moving parts. Um, I mean, tons and tons and tons of moving parts, and uh, yeah, you, you you hit you hit you hit the on the head. You just, you just you just pray on everything going perfectly. You're praying on all the airfares, uh, the airlines to get in on time. You know, you're 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 relying on a lot of different things from a lot of different uh, sources that you just you you can't physically uh, control, like the weather like an airplane being delayed. There's a lot of moving stuff that you, it's out of your hands, so you have to, you have to hope for everything to go perfectly. And it's, I, I like that you said that, because that's what you do. You just, you just bet on everything going perfectly. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show, but I have two more questions. They're going to be quick ones. The first one is, you worked with a lot of wrestlers from a very young age. You even had them over to your house to watch pay-per-views with you. Have you ever booked or, or worked with a professional wrestler that left you kind of starstruck and in awe that you were getting to work with this because you, you seem, you seem unflappable as a promoter. Like I don't know if there's a name that could walk through that door that would get the butterflies in your stomach flapping a little bit, but have you ever worked with somebody that you were like, this is a pinch me moment. This is incredible. You know, when, when I was younger, I didn't because I didn't want wrestling. Like I said earlier, I didn't want the wrestlers to think I was a mark. Right. So, because I was so I was so young, uh, so no, I never did. And 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 now, as an adult, I have tons. I, I always have pinch me moments now because I appreciate everything now way more than I did when I was younger. Uh, you know, I, I I stop and 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 smell the roses sometimes. Like, nice. you know, I'm saying like I grew I grew up watching these guys. Uh, I had their action figures. I had their T-shirts. I had their posters hanging on my wall. I had their pictures in my magazines. And now they're doing stuff with me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when you look at it that way, man, it's like it, it, every, every moment is a pinch me moment. Uh, you know, I, I, I try and appreciate everything. Like I, like I said in the past, too, like I take pictures of every event I do now with talent. That's because I was so stupid and never did it when I was younger. But, yeah, man, it's all, it's all pinch me moments, man, every single one of them. That's fantastic. Now, my last question, you don't have to name a name, but I just am curious, have you ever – worked with a wrestler at a convention that it just was hard to deal with them. And you're like, I'm never working with them again. You don't have to give me a name, but have you ever had a dealing with somebody that you're like, not worth having back, won't work with them again? Uh, no, not, not really. I mean, I, everyone's always been great with me. I've never, ever, ever uh, had a problem with the talent ever uh, to, to, a, to a great extent. Everything has always been fine. Um, I will say that the time I had the missing link, she was just really, really weird. <laughs> like uh, I, I wasn't. It was he was just a weird guy. Sure. Uh, so I, yeah, I mean, if I if I said if I he didn't do and he didn't do anything wrong to me per se, or or, or he, just, he was just really like he was weird. Sure. He was weird. Uh, but yeah, and that's the only one that really comes to my mind. Other than that, man, no, man, everything. Knock on wood has been great. Probably, you um, said about being starstruck. Like uh, before, you asked. I, I think the time I had Bruno Sammartino, uh, yeah. I thought, you know, 
really uh, looking back on it now, like I, I appreciate it way more now than I did then. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Bruno San Martino having him was probably what my biggest name I ever had. Um, Bobby Heenan, man, and, and all those guys, Paul Orndorff and Captain Lou Albano, like all the guys ain't with us no more. George Animal Steel that had the mm. opportunity to fix what they did. Um, but yeah, they're looking back on them now as we go. Obviously, they're all they're all pinch me moments, you know. I love that, man. I love that you that you can say that because that's just a sign of maturity. And like you said, stopping to smell the roses, living in the moment, and realizing that, yeah, grown up Tommy is living. Uh, Kid Tommy's dreams to the fullest, and that is awesome, man. We are rounding the corner here. If you go to 80swrestlingcon.com, you can see uh, the almost up-to-date list uh, of all the wrestlers. We'll get the newest ones added. Like you said, you just announced the Killer Bees. Uh, But uh, as we close up the show, Tommy, is there anything else you want people to know at this point, months out from 80s Wrestling Con 4, is there any other information you want to get out to their listening ears this moment? 80s Wrestling Con 4, bigger, badder, better. Well said. Headline by WrestleFest, the arcade cabinet. <laughs> Dude, I'm definitely selling your idea on that one. Listen, and you already have Smash announced, and he was in the game. Yes, he was. Yeah. But you so, was, so was my Minnesota boy, Sergeant Slaughter, I'm just saying. He's in the and, game, and, too. And, and, and who was the ring announcer of that game? Maybe I can have her do the special photo ops with the talent. That would be incredible. Can you imagine having like, Mike McGurk like announce now playing WrestleFest? Jumpin' Jay. Man, there might be a video Love opportunity it. in there, too, my friend. <laughs> Brother, we've got to talk offline here. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Tommy, it, was, it did my heart good to hear your voice today, man. It's been two weeks. Uh, it's good to sit down across the microphone from you and chat. I appreciate you pulling back the curtain a little bit and let me ask you some questions about wrestling conventions in general and especially 80s Wrestling Con 4. I'm looking forward to it. And I know there'll be lots of updates on future shows uh, as we get closer to that date. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, I will reveal for the first time here, before I, I didn't even announce it yet, I'm going to give an exclusive for 80s Wrestling Con, a, an exclusive attraction that I'm going to have there that I have not announced yet. You ready for it? Uh, listen, my ears are perked. Okay. We are going to have a drawing class with Tony Atlas at 80s Wrestling Con. Oh, my word. Dude. How awesome his, is that going to be? His, like, his artwork is phenomenal. And so, yeah, if you could just get a little bit of insight about his art and how he does it, and he gives you a little lesson, that is super cool. Yep, you, you will have the opportunity to draw a picture with Tony Atlas at 80s Wrestling Con 4. Man, that is cool. That is cool. Because he is – it's interesting that, that these guys have such – like, he's such an talented artist. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler's a, a talented artist. The Hitman Hart's a talented artist. It's cool that these guys have talents outside of the squared circle. And the fact that Tony will be sharing that talent with all of us exclusively at 80s Wrestling Con 4, that's huge. Well done, Tommy. Thank you, sir. And, uh, we'll, need you <laughs> and we'll need you to make a graphic for that, please. Hey, yeah, no problem. Because, like, <laughs> his artwork is out there. You can Google his artwork. We'll come up with a, a cool graphic that kind of showcases his style because he's got a unique style. I dig it. That's awesome, man. I want you to be part of that class, too, at 80s Wrestling Con 4. I would love to take that class. I'll draw some feet. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I hope everyone out there has a great weekend next weekend, Jay. Woo! I got a busy one. Next weekend, not one, not two, but three big events, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the 9th, 10th, and the 11th uh, here in New Jersey, uh, December 9th, ISPW Christmas Chaos 2 will take place at the Totowa PAL in Totowa, New Jersey, 7.30 p.m. bell time. We're going to have ECW Day at the Wrestling Collector next Saturday from 12 noon the 3 p.m. with the Sandman, Mikey Whipwreck, Danny Doring, who is now Danny Morrison, and Little Guido Nunzio. 
And then on Sunday, we are having the ISPW Christmas Party Day, where fans will be able to interact and eat and join in the festivity with the wrestlers next Sunday, December the 11th, at the First Reformed Church Hall in Little Falls, New Jersey. And it's at 4 o'clock p.m. For more information on that, you can head over to our website, ISPWWrestling.com, and you can ring in the holiday with ISW next Sunday in Little Falls, New Jersey. So triple shot next weekend, Jay. So Thursday, we have to make it a good one, too, and do a quadruple shot. Man. And I like what you did, ring in the holidays, wrestling, ring, wrestling, ring, ring in the holidays. Smart, smart wordplay there, my friend. I I can't take the credit for that one. Mama Fierro does it again. It wasn't Mama Fierro either. It was another mama. All right. Well, keep those great great ideas coming because I love the way that, that plays off of each other. Big weekend next weekend for you. Like you said, we'll kick... But Thursday morning, so we'll have four fantastic things in a row for you. I look forward to it. Yeah, man. And I hope you and your family have a great weekend. I hope everyone at home has a great weekend. Remember, ask for that raise. Stone Cold Stunners are your boss today. <laughs> Tell them compliments. I'm jumping Jay from Minnesota. And until next week, we'll catch you here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.